even though that creative part of us is always there, we're always creating something, right? I think that what society views as an artist is someone who decided to make the choice to not stop creating. I, I really think that's that's what defines that term. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. This is the second and final part of our conversation with fine artist and illustrator Danny Kidwell. If you haven't heard the first part, please listen to last week's episode for continuing. Thank you very much. Aside from utilising images from pop culture, Danny also works with models to create an ongoing series of fine art nudes that explore the human body in a non-judgmental and respectful way. This ongoing body of work shows a more thoughtful and reflective side of Danny's portfolio. Talking about a fat art contest, actually, I think I think they're a good idea as long as you're paying the artist for the work. Because I remember very recently, didn't Billie Eilish get in some hot water because she was doing a, a contest with Adobe um, and it turned out they're actually, they don't actually pay the artist for their work, but they'll use it on merch? Well, here's the thing about Billie Eilish is... I can't imagine that she was okay with it. I think Adobe had more of a plan. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you know, I I'm actually so here's my little my little uh, side. I collect portraits of Billie Eilish. It's like this thing that I I'm familiar with her a little bit. Um, it's it's like a side collection that I have. But uh uh. She supports artists. She actually uh, commissioned uh, a painter to do an album cover, which I have not heard of done in years. And I was surprised when she did. I forget the artist's name, but he does those like landscapes, cityscapes almost. And they're like very, they're not even abstract. But yeah, I mean, I think that was more of Adobe's doing than anything, but there there was a situation with that, and I, I remember that blowing up on Twitter. And I was like, uh, "Well, do it anyways, because you know you don't know what's going to happen." You know, she's a big artist, and it can lead to a lot of exposure. Again, going back to that whole like taking risk kind of thing, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, they're not gonna steal your work you're going to be involved with it but like at the same time you're wanting credit for something but how many jobs do you do that you actually get credit for them when it's in print that's true that's true i think mm-hmm. i was just surprised that adobe like adobe of all companies would do yeah. something like that it, that makes no sense to me because it's like isn't the whole point that they are meant to be helping artists by their using you know from the use of their products that are already overpriced at the minute anyway. It's yeah, kind of dollars <laughs> it just it just seems a bit like like this is what I don't understand sometimes. Like when you have companies that you know try to act like that, oh you know, we support artists, we love art, and they turn around and don't want to pay artists for their work. It seems a bit like okay. So I know where that comes from. It comes from jumping on the hype train because yeah. everyone has this mentality and they know if they can form a positive agreement with their audience, they're going to um, they're going to uh, do it regardless of whether they're telling the truth or not. Yeah. You know? 
and that's that's how marketing works unfortunately yeah yeah of course i like obviously i get it it's a marketing tactic of course i don't mm-hmm. know there's just something about something about that like mm, not a big fan of that like yeah i mean you yeah, know that's you know, because I just feel like art is already undervalued by society enough. We don't need mm-hmm. companies that actually physically help artists create their work to be also undervalued, you know, to be also undermining the artists as well. Like, I think that's okay. For me personally, that's just got a line too far. Um, but- yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, people do say we don't need artists, but then you look around and what would we have without artists, you know? Even the houses that yeah. we live in, designed by architectural artists, you know, we the human the human capacity to create is what keeps us alive. You know, if we didn't have artists, there would be no life. That sounds a bit dramatic, a little bit, but that's the it's way true. it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Like it is true. It is funny when I think it's really funny when people kind of dismiss art and they're like, oh yeah. Uh, okay that's cool or they're like yeah okay, cool art okay and it's like yeah but you don't understand like people like there's a the thing like i talk to a lot of work colleagues for instance who who aren't involved in anything to do with art and they just don't care they don't give it the time and i'm just like but do you not understand like someone's put their life into creating work yeah and you just look at it and be like hey yeah cool and it's like it, it's kind of odd I, i'd have tried it really odd how people can dismiss art very quickly without even kind of trying to understand it or trying to see you know I don't know, just the positivity in it, I guess. Well, I mean, I, it's probably like because there's an overabundance of it, you know. It's sure. every, it's literally everywhere. And some people are just so wrapped up in their lives that, you know, you could be in a hotel and walk by a painting. Not even, it's good for decoration and it makes the room look good, but, you know, we're seeing it out of the corner of our eyes. And if we're stressed, we're just going to walk right by it. We're not even going to pay attention to it, you know? And that's why I think so many people take it for granted because it is everywhere and we don't necessarily see it unless we take the time to stop and admire it and give it the attention that it needs. Yeah, absolutely. Like 100%. I, I feel like, yeah, 100%. I feel like there's one thing that I've very much learned is that artists put way too much time and effort into what they do and too much of themselves into what they do. Um, and it can be very heartbreaking when people just ignore it or don't acknowledge it or kind of feel like, make the artists feel like they're wasting their time because at the end of the day, like, art is a conversation. You know, you're trying to express it to somebody. You're trying to kind of engage with people. You're trying to just, you know, you're trying to figure out, I guess, yourself in many ways through art. So I think it's it's a shame when people just disregard it. Um, I don't know. I'm not a fan of people who don't like art. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very like if you, if you don't like art, like I I I don't think I've never I've I've talked to people who don't like music, but I don't think I've ever like talked to someone who is like flat out like no, I hate paintings, like <laughs> don't want any of that in my life, like <laughs> you know, it's it's completely uh, I don't even think there's a word for it. The, there has not been a word invented in the dictionary <laughs> that is good for that. No. So, get back to your website, though. Is your art a form of escapism or exploration? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking about this too. Like, again, like very, very good questions. They cause you to, to like 
really think. I would say that there are times it, it probably teeter totters for me. Like there are times where it's a form of escapism for me. Um, I definitely do enjoy painting in silence. Um, I've been told that a lot of people prefer like music, but I find that uh, music uh, tends to distract me when I get into like the painting process. Um, so I just like to escape everything and kind of just zone in to uh, this this piece that I'm working on on my my crowded table. Um, but as far as expression goes, I don't necessarily know that I'm expressing anything. I never go into it with the intent of expressing. I maybe maybe exploring would be a little bit more of a, a word that I would use. Um, but I don't know. I <laughs> I express my myself more like through binge eating than I than I do art. I'll say that much. But <laughs> but um no um no I just I think it's an in between for me. I I I couldn't really tell you. I just I just draw because it it's a it's just a thing in me. I have to create. You know, I have to do it. If I don't, I I would get so stressed and I have to process everything out of my head. And so maybe it is expression. I get I guess it's expression. Like, but who's to say that it is? I don't. You know, I just draw because I have a need to. But I I just create like broadly in general because that's just who I am. You know, I'm always looking at something. You know, trying to fix it. Have you ever explored where that need comes from? Um, no, I, you know, I, again, like I, I was talking about the, the, the inner child exploration and maybe there's something there. Because, um, I tend to like really like Legos, bright, colorful things. I've, I've often thought about like, like incorporating Legos into my work somehow, it's like putting it on on the canvas or whatnot, and using bright colors. Um, but no, I just have always had this this thing, and I've never really explored it. But maybe there's just like this deep recessed fear, like that says, "Don't come near me. I'm what I'm what makes you." You live, don't you know? It's one of those weird psychology things. But no, I mean, I remember growing up, like with the with the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. This has been coming up in my head recently. Um, I always used to. Uh, this is going to turn into a therapy session. Just watch, but I always used to draw people like with yellow skin and blue hair and all that, and. My dad was always the the person to say, "Oh no, you're a good artist, but you should be selling like flowers, paintings of flowers." But I wanted to. Um, I did this painting of Johnny Depp, and he was like yellow and had like white, colorful clothing. And I, uh, he said, uh, "You know, you can't make Johnny Depp yellow." I was like, "But who's to say?" You know, it's part of part of what I'm trying to create and that was Sinatra and blue hair 
that was another one that stood out to me. And you know what? The black and white and then the, the hints of color is actually uh, what kind of people are into. That's that's what makes me me. And uh, the crazy scribbly drawings that my parents swore up and down that no one would ever buy um, turned into my, my motion blur stuff. And that's uh, that's what people define me for. They come to me requesting that, and it's it's annoying sometimes. But <laughs> that's absolutely perfect segue into the motion blur images, which are incredible, by the way. Um, and I, I actually really like the idea that it stems from now you're thinking about it. I guess um, from kind of like childhood and the idea of you know the images you create as a child and what you're told. Again, it comes back to the conversation we were having earlier like the way you're told a certain thing growing up kind of shapes the way you live the rest of your life. So it's like, it's kind of actually interesting now you said about kind of the scribbles you used to do and how that does actually now inform the motion blur images. And could you actually talk a bit about that? Kind of like the kind of concept and idea behind it. So I come from an animation background. My first yeah. love is animation. So um, I forget where it, the initial idea exactly came from but um i do remember there was a um a project i did in class studying in art school and the teacher had us draw like a transition image right and it would start as one design and then the design would kind of like break up and then turn into something else on the other end. So just that description alone, you can already tell that's where this is kind of headed. Yeah. And so I, I hated that. <laughs> I hated that project. And I, I was just like, I, I, I could not figure it out. And then, then I guess I st- you know, said to myself, well, I guess it could be interesting. And it, it's ironic that the things that maybe we don't like tend to evolve and it turns out those are the things that we really do like. It's, I mean, that's that's what's always happened with me. But um, so um, there was that specific project, and um, then one day I was, of course, taking a nap, and uh, <laughs> and it just sort of popped into my head. And I wanted to challenge the idea, you know, so much of drawing is um, just still, you know, there can be movement in a drawing, like as far as mark making goes, but I thought to myself, has anyone ever made a moving drawing? And so the first thing that always popped up in my mind was of a lady just walking, right? And I've got I've got it somewhere, but it's it's, it's red, and um, she's got like a hat on, and she's just walking, and her the shapes kind of change throughout the canvas, and her feet are walking and whatnot. And that was kind of the first incident of me trying to create an image like that. And once I made that. I was like, never again. I can't. I can't figure it out. I was like, I was constantly trying to figure out how to recreate this because I didn't know where it came from. 
And I think what ended up happening was um, there was probably a, a project that I was working on commission comic commission whatever and they wanted like a transition I, I forget exactly what it was but it, they wanted the thing to change and I thought oh, it would be cool if I drew multiple things of that so but then came the idea of again what if a drawing could move and then that's when I really explored the idea and so, you know, you've got 24 frames per second in animation. Um, and the persistence of vision is what really um, cues the eye and the brain to pick up on all that stuff because it, all the in-betweens of animations are just like weird, funky drawings. And you, you really can't tell what it is, but when you put it all together, it works. And I thought, well, what if I took all these drawings, just laid them out, and drew all of them together, and I started exploring that. And so, uh, and then that's when people started to come to me saying, I want a drawing like this. And uh, yeah, and eventually, I, ne I never called it the motion blur. It's uh, the people that would buy my work um, eventually gave it that name. And then it just now it, every every time I do a commission, it's can I get a motion blur of this character? And I, I think it's really really interesting because it fits well with a lot of things, you know, figure drawing, pop culture. Obviously, pop culture comes from a lot of cartoons and animation and stuff like that. And come to find out, I did not know this at the time, but a few months ago. Um, Somebody said, this looks a lot like futurism, and oh, that's what it was. Okay, I just remembered. Okay, the futurism and dynamism, and I was like, huh. And so I looked it up, and apparently this style that I have was invented by the Italians in the early 20th century. But that thought that just popped up in my head was I was doing a painting of the Flash, and somebody wanted me to draw uh. the Flash. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like how Because I know there was, it, back in the 80s, there was an artist that did uh, covers for The Flash and he was moving, but it was like frame by frame. And I guess I was thinking, well, how can I make this look abstract and, you know, more me? And then that's when I really started to develop the idea for that style. But then I just snowballed from there. That's really cool. And yeah, the flash would be actually quite a logical first step, to be very honest. <laughs> Make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, because he's all green and stuff. And then, you know, I, I come to find out that, uh, you know, this has been an art style for over 100 years. It just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. So now I, I have an existential question I'm asking myself is am I am I a descendant of one of these artists or something <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> but am I the chosen one? Um no it's kind of interesting how um maybe 
along the way, I, I saw some of those images and I picked up on it and just completely forgot about it, but it was recorded in my subconscious somehow and that's how it came to be. I don't know, but that's just, that's where the, the idea came from. So like, um, it, of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's an interesting thread in your work, <laughs> I feel, and that's nostalgia. I think a lot of your work is very nostalgic because like you were talking about Pokemon earlier and I was like, absolutely. Oh. You're talking about Nintendo and I was like, absolutely. Uh, because I think nostalgia is, um, especially with pop culture, is so, mm -hmm. is so much of a universal kind of theme. Like everybody has something they remember from their childhood. Um, and I'm kind of curious, like, is that something you're very conscious of in your work or is it just something that just, that's just the way it, mm -hmm. it falls? The nostalgia, like, or, oh, I mean, I, yeah, hmm. that's a good question. I mean, I, hmm. I'm stumped. <laughs> um, I, I do know that, like, for a lot of it, you know, again, I grew up being a Disney fan, so I sort of kept with that thing, and that's what I enjoy, but. Um, actually, uh, you, you talk about Nintendo is I've never been much of a video game person. Uh, I do remember growing up, I was into like Game Boy and all those games, but, um, again, maybe it's just like something that passes my thoughts as time goes by that I, I choose to explore. But, you know, again, there's also a connection to a, a playfulness to it. And I think that that's what it really comes down to. But as far as nostalgia, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right, you know. Uh, again, these are things that I don't really think about from time to time. And then when somebody says it, I'm just like, ah, oh, that's what I need to talk about in my next therapy session. <laughs> well, I, don't, I guess it's, hey, at least the conversation is helpful in some way. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, no, because when I was looking through your work, I was like, oh, you've done a motion blur Super Mario. That's amazing. I was like, this is so cool. Because, you know, it reminds me of like playing the 64, Nintendo 64, and like, you know, the way he would move in that game, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's just, it's kind of interesting for me to look at your work and be like, yes, it is pop culture, but it's something that we can all relate to from different kind of planes or different kind of reasons or different kind of things. Um, I don't know. I think nostalgia is one of those things that is even more so nowadays so prevalent and it's so it's okay so actually this might be something you might be interested in so i read a book quite a while ago now um i can't remember who it was by but it was called i think believe it was called kidult and it was the idea of how society infant infant infantilizes adults and the way in which society tries to make adults continue to be children um through the use of disney for adults and through the use of you know free uh, what's the word? Um, how we now have like a Super Nintendo kind of mini version console nowadays for like the 20th, 21st century. It's kind of like, it's something that's always stuck with me, this idea of like how nostalgia is actually extremely powerful and how it can be used both, you know, for good and for bad to sell products. Um, and I don't know, just in your work that I just, it's a kind of thread that I've looked in your work and I'm like, that's really interesting because not even just your... Quite, uh, quite, 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 not even just your pop culture work but also your figurative work because you know 
as you said, that draws parallels probably between, you know, to your past and to, you know, your life drawing classes and to the things you used to explore growing up and, you know, probably your own sense of self at some, in some way. So it's kind of interesting how nostalgia plays a deep rooted part in all of your work, no matter what it is. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's there's been people that uh, that look at my work and they say, oh, there's something there that I can't quite point out, and I think you're starting to like point out those things, which is which is great. Um, maybe they just don't they don't see it, but like, um, yeah, I mean, uh, man, it's, it's really got me thinking now. Cause I mean, again, but with the with the motion blur stuff, it's Nobody else does that. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound egotistical, but I, I haven't seen and nobody else has seen stuff like that, at least in this day and age. And I think it's another great way of um, exploring, you know, what what different things can I do with these characters that hasn't been done before? You know, because you can draw a picture of Mario, but can you make Mario move? I mean, you could if you wanted to, but how are you going to do it? You know, and it's, you know, oh man, it's, it's got me. All these questions really got me. I, I, sw I swear to you, like, I'm going to come out, come out of this like interview with a like, whole body of work now. Just like, <laughs> it's going to be so fun. Oh, well, listen, I'm glad that, you know, you're getting something from the conversation because the one thing that I always worry about is that I'm just wasting people's time. I'm like, I'm just having a conversation with people, I'm just wasting people's mm -hmm. time, but clearly it happened, which is cool. Um, I know that people get to hear it at some point in the future, which is perfect. Um, okay, so, okay, let's move slightly, not away from me necessarily, but into your kind of creative process. Um, so kind of like, do you have any particular routines that help you focus on, you know, creating work? Again, when I saw those questions, I was like, I, "Do I have a routine?" I just, I, I have really bad routines. I can tell you that much. But uh, um, no, I mean, so I enjoy going to movies, right? Um, I don't necessarily enjoy watching movies at home. I like the experience of of uh, going into the theater and uh watching the movies there and i think that's a big part of my routine um because that allows me to sit back and you know step away from the world for a while um but as far as routines go like i'll i'll carry a sketchbook with me around when i go to like cafes and whatnot i'll draw people but I mean, I don't really have anything that because um, I, I know I've been told by people that um, they they have to like get in yeah. the right mood set. And this is why this is why it's so fascinating to me. I've never had that problem. I can literally get off this call right now and start going to work. I don't need any type of segue into it. I just, I, I snap right into it, you know, and it's, it's just part of me. There's no routine. It's just, 
uh, I mean, I like to put on YouTube while in the background, but you know, that that's about so it. That's that's really fascinating though, just because you know a lot of artists kind of need to have like a certain environment, or they need to you know have had you know so much time to think, or they need to kind of have you know, maybe like a certain day they'll, you know, go into their studio or whatever. It's like, what kind of environment do you work in? Like, do you have a studio? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I don't have a studio. I actually just work in my, in my uh, apartment and it's a very small table that I kind of designed. It was going to be a much more elaborate design. I wanted it to fold up into like a, a TV book stand whatnot and then you know i would unfold it so i could literally just fold it back in and put it in the corner because i live in a small apartment um but no i just i just work on a table and um that, that's kind of what happens it's, <laughs> i just uh but it, it, you know as far as coming up with ideas um those do take a little bit more time and uh Again, we talked about um, how I tend to come up with my best ideas, you know, sleeping and taking naps and whatnot. And that, that has a lot to do with it, too. It's very hard to explain to people um, that your commission's not done because the voice in my head that I hear when I sleep has told me what to do. <laughs> but, you know, um, um, but as far as like, just sitting down and, and painting you know most of the work is done for me um outside of the studio or the creative table i don't know it, it's a table there's nothing special about it and so i'll paint in my head as crazy as that sounds and like there's this thing that walks me through it and tells me what to do it's 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 very hard to explain to people and then um then by the time all this is done i already all i have to do is literally sit down and just start painting and it's done it's it's the weirdest thing i've never i well there's some people that are really creative as well like james taylor he's a singer songwriter like he talks about the same thing kind of like he never really wrote any of his songs. He said what he would do is he would sit down and he would just like hear this kind of song come to him. And it, one time he wrote a song and like he just played it. That's all it was. It was this thing telling him, you know, and maybe it's a connection to the spiritual. But um, yeah, I mean, I find that I really need quiet to be able to come up with my ideas but uh i can work anywhere really um which is why maybe i don't have a studio um but yeah I, it's my creative process is one that maybe i still haven't figured out yet except for those few things see i think not having a studio and being able to create in a small space would be a huge advantage for you to create anywhere, which is great. That means like if you're on a plane, if you're on a bus, if you're in this the theater, you know, you can create work there and you'd be just as comfortable mm -hmm. doing that. Whereas, in the, you know, I think, you know, as we said earlier, you don't need 
a lot of space to create good art. You just have to have the ability to be able to sit down and create it. You, have, you need to really have the focus to create good art. And obviously the talent, but also the focus, really, more than the space. I think, you know, the discipline the, is more the important. Only, yeah. The only time that I really need, like, complete silence to do anything is the, like, the sepia figure drawings. Because that's when I really like to sit down and concentrate on what I'm doing. Because it, it's a very finicky medium in itself. Because it's 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 a different ink entirely. But that's that's really the only time that I really need to be in silence and be in my own space. But other than that, uh, take a, a pencil, carry some paints with me, and just start start working. You know. So how do you know when an image is finished? How do I know when it's finished? I guess when I feel okay with it. That's really all it is. You know, um, again, like my process, a lot of my process is like, there's this thing, uh, someone laid it down scientifically in a book called Time Management versus Mind Management. And it goes into like the seven steps of the creative process and rumination is like a big thing. Um, a lot of the work is done for me in my head. And usually I know when it's finished because that's that's what everything has been laid out in my head uh, mentally. And then I, that's, that's how I know. But um, so lately what I've been doing is I've been taking traditional images not not half-assing them or anything, but just doing what I can with them in, in the traditional format and then scanning them in and taking them into Procreate and uh, exploring the, uh, I call it tra-digital. Tra yeah, yeah, I liked it. I saw the word and I was like, that's interesting. Yeah, I think my, my professor came up with that. Or one one of them did because I I'm not the one that I'm thinking of like I remember them saying no once once you scan it in it's 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 digital and I'm like okay <laughs> but traditional is you know taking a traditional piece of work and exploring more ideas digitally and again you know I used to have a really bad thing about saying no to to digital is such a hard word to say <laughs> no to saying digital but then I kind of stepped back and I thought well what else do you have to offer turns out it has a lot to offer because that's what i use for a lot of my ocean boy stuff as well you know well, actually so what is your thoughts what are your thoughts on the whole the good old-fashioned traditional versus digital art debate and like you know the whole old digital art is going to take over traditional art like what is your kind of stance on that oh man um i think traditional art will always be a thing because digital, you can't hold it in your hand, right? Plain and simple. But digital art might become the um, the preference um, because it, speaking from a completely uh, business aspect, you know, uh, companies sometimes they have a quick turnaround and you don't you don't have to mail digital work you just you know send it through email and it's there and you know you can you have control over the decisions that you make 
and have the ability with digital to go back and say, oh, maybe this is where I messed up, you know, or maybe this is where I can fix it. But as with traditional work, you can still do that. It's called paint. You just paint over it, you know, if you don't like it. But like, you know, um, I think like we live in an impulsive and compulsive society and everything has to be done now. And I think that eventually it's going to kind of start to really find its way into everything if if we don't stop uh, and step back and, and think a little bit. Um, but digital art will probably become the main uh, component to uh, illustration, you know, especially with the impulsive nature of a lot of things going on. But traditional art will always, it's been there since the cavemen. It'll be here, you know, unless we stop building walls and they all become invisible, but somehow not invisible at the same time and all that stuff. You know, or maybe we'll live, we'll live in the metaverse and we don't have to worry about real life. Oh, yeah, don't get <laughs> Well, the metaverse, I don't really, like, so that can be fun. That can be fun to explore, you know. It's all about exploring, but, like, I don't, I don't even know what's going on with that. They got to up their, their CG graphics or something with, with that. Cause it, it's, uh, they promised us a whole lot, but so far it's looking like polygons, you know. <laughs> well, I think a thing with that is that like, even though this is kind of off topic, but I feel like that's just, I think that's a step too far for humanity that we don't need, if I'm honest. Yeah. I think it's like, this is you're literally trying to create another world. And it's like, I don't think we're, as humans, quite ready for that. I think social media and the internet itself currently is enough of an alternative reality mm-hmm. that we're already living in. Like we're already all living two lives. So we don't need a third, in my opinion. Well, I, I think the technology can be used for like for movies, for example, just imagine if like Marvel one day decided to use that technology to create a movie. They're already doing it with the Star Wars series, uh, as not as not in terms of viewing, but like with the actors, they don't make their sets and they don't have a green screen. It's just big screens that are virtual, and it creates uh, what would have been the matte paintings, you know, back in the day. It's essentially digital map paintings that they use on set but the technology has potential to be used for really fun experiences but the direction they're going with it it's very um it's turning into a social media that you wear on your head and you know you're never going to take it off especially if you get addicted to it yeah yeah but yeah um i am kind of quite curious to see how that will affect art in a weird way, because I feel like that could open up mm-hmm. some interesting possibilities. It could open up the idea of actually creating physical worlds. Like, so that could be quite interesting. Like, because you're talking about like movie sets. Like, imagine if you created. I actually spoke about this idea with a bunch of photographers a while back. Like, imagine if you created like a painting of a place, and then you had somebody walk through that place. You know, something like that would be really interesting. Um, you know. Yeah, of course, but it's just an interesting idea. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that that would be great for especially like artists who can't afford studio space, you know, and they want to set up their own gallery. 
you know, the, the, yeah, of course. the metaverse can provide a way to like set up a gallery for free, I guess, and show your work off that way, you know? <laughs> Very, I don't know if it's going to be for free exactly, but yes. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be fair, there's always a cost to something. Even free things have a cost. So, yes, you know. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So let's move slightly. I, I want to briefly discuss it social media only briefly because I think we've talked about it already enough, but we'll have a little dive into social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we do though, question for you is, do you feel like you're part of a larger art community? Mm. Well, no, I don't. I, you know, I, I, I thought about this too and I, I don't feel like I'm, I feel like I'm often stuck in my own little corner, you know? Um, I do connect with other artists, um, like comic artists and uh, figure artists and whatnot. But you know, it's, uh, I, you know, I especially down here. There, there's a kind of a big art scene down here, but I've never explored it. I don't know why I haven't, but. I just I just feel like I'm off in my own little corner doing my own little thing, and um, maybe maybe in a few years I might become part of a a larger community. But as of right now, I just nah I just feel disconnected, you know. Would you like to be part of our community? Um. Mm. I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to when I was in school and how that didn't help either. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was like, you're probably going to say no because you didn't say yes. Well, well, here's the thing. It's like, I, you know, I, I um, in, 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 in class, like, I felt like a lot of the people there weren't really serious about it. And um, that, would, that was very distracting for me. Um, so I, I tend to try and surround myself with people who are very serious about what they do. And of course, there's there's room for fun. Maybe serious is the wrong word, but passionate would be a better, better word. Because my brother's a filmmaker and, you know, he, <laughs> he's a very serious filmmaker. He can't have any fun on his film sets. And I, I, one time I was like, we aren't allowed to like ad lib or have any fun. He's like, no. We're here to we're here to make a movie. It's on the screen. Like that's as <laughs> a very director mentality. But um no, nah, I mean I need to be around people who are passionate about what they do. And sometimes um it uh, I no I I don't think it's necessary. I think it's important to get out and socialize, but art's a very personal thing. And to be a part of a community that has a lot of obligations to it, you know, you, you would have to, you'd have to kind of, it, it would be implied that you would have to go out and socialize with all these other people. And while that's good, you know, you, you, you create in your studio by yourself, or sometimes in shared studios, but let's face it, you're never talking to those people while you're creating anyway, so... Yeah. To answer your question, no. <laughs> so, would you say you are more introverted or extroverted? I'm okay. Here's 
here's my thing. I I'm I'm one of those like uh, ambiverts, right? Yeah. I have no problem going out in public. I have no problem going around being with people, right? And I have no problem like talking with people or saying hi to people. But I like to be in my own little bubble, so to speak. Yeah. And um so I'm introverted in the way that I like to keep to myself, but I also don't like to go out and party and all that stuff. I just like to go out and explore. Like but I'm I'm horrible at parties. Like even in a small setting. Any more than um any more than two or three people, I just I zone out and I'm like I'm the listener, you know. And I actually did a podcast uh, when the pandemic first started, come to think of it. And there was like three other people on this podcast. And I think I said maybe two things <laughs> for like an entirety of like three three hours or so. And that was it. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is a mistake. I should, <laughs> you know? But uh, no, I'm I'm definitely in between for sure. That's super interesting because I think a lot of the people I speak to, a lot of the people I talk to for interviews um, or conversations, um, they're introverted. And I'm always kind of curious, like, do you think that because you have a tendency for introversion, like that affects the way you create work and the reason why you create work? Because it's like you're in your own little world, but you also want to share that with other people, but you don't necessarily want to have to actually speak to those other people. Yeah, I mean, the thing about being introverted is, is you can't really, some people thrive off of it and that's all right. But for me personally, if I stay indoors too long, I, I feel it's a very unhealthy thing, right? I, I feel that getting out, not even talking to people, but just looking at people, maybe that's a part of my process too. I tend to pick up, you know, I, I study people just by looking at them and, you know, all their angles and whatnot. And, and it's, but it's a necessary part of my, my process to get out and explore things. Because if I don't, I'm just going to stay stuck in a room, you know, watching PewDiePie videos all day. And, you know, that's, that's not necessarily healthy. And some could argue that uh, maybe healthy isn't something that you need to create art. Maybe it's, you know, but I, I like to stay a little bit more on the healthy side and get out and explore. But uh, I don't, I don't make it a habit of like, there's always this thing that has escaped me. And um, it's, you know, socializing with people, you know, apparently people just walk up and have conversations with people. And it's like, you mean that person in front of me in line, you just randomly talk to it? Like, it's happened with me before, but some people go out of their way to do it. I'm just like, that's, that's insane. Like, you know? Yeah. Oh. See, I think that's actually very funny because... You messaged me about this conversation, mm -hmm. which I think is very funny because that's essentially what you did. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing is like, I don't, 
I don't know how to. I guess it depends on the day. I know I don't like talking to people, but like, I I have to make the choice, I guess, and um, it's it's very uh, maybe when I go out, it is like I'm in a a, a mindset of you know being by myself, but I'm at home right now, so. And more than willing to talk. I don't know. Is it going down some like rabbit holes here? I'm just like, oh. you're completely. You know, I think it is. No, no, you're completely right. But it's making me realize maybe when I go out, I'm in that mindset of wanting to be by myself. And maybe I should open up a little bit more. You know. Oh boy. I think maybe it's because you're an artist, which means your time is very valuable. Therefore, the conversations you want to have with people want to be valuable. Yeah. You know. You talking about the latest Netflix show or the latest celebrity isn't going to do you any good because you want interesting conversations that are going to inspire you. Exactly. Because you're an artist, you want to be inspired. Yeah. That might be what it is. You're Maybe. exactly right. That's. I don't like small talk. That's that's the word I'm looking for. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, it's uh. uh it's, I don't know. Like when, when I was uh when I was a manager at a movie theater, I had no problem talking to people. But I, I again going back to that different hats that people wear question, like maybe the hat I was wearing at that time was you know, talking to people. And if that was part if that was part of your job, you're gonna have to talk to people though. Uh, you know. Yeah, true. So yeah, the whole idea of kind of introversion ex- extroversion being introvert or being an extrovert i think that's is kind of i think it forms a lot of people's work and i think um it actually is very nicely onto the next section which is social media which i want to keep pretty brief just because it's not something we need to talk about for ages because i feel like i talk about it with ages for every, with everybody and i don't need to oh also before i continue one thing i was meant to say that's what to say um which i didn't add, i didn't add to the list of questions but there is an artist whose work i absolutely adore called uh, jay riggio um, and he said, when we're talking about the idea of finishing paintings or like finishing pieces of art, because he creates sculptures, um, collage sculptures. Um, he's he a quote. It wasn't his quote, but it was from somebody else. But I was attributed to him because I spoke to him. Um, and he said, like a piece of art is never finished; it's always abandoned because there's always something you could have done with it. Um, and I think that's one that's really interesting to think about in terms of like art isn't really ever finished because it always has further implications and further kind of life beyond what you've created. Yeah, I can see that. Um, are you talking about in terms of like, it goes like the social aspect of it or just like imagery or? Like both, I guess, because I think, you know, just because a piece of work is quote unquote finished to you and you put it online, you know, that will have its own life beyond you having oh. finished it. Yeah, I I guess I guess that's actually very true. Um, you know, because I think I think the cycle is you know you create art for yourself, and then there's always a viewer, and sometimes there's pieces that we create that we just stuff away in a corner and never sit by a day. But mo- most of the stuff that artists create do have like the the, the audience aspect to it, and you know it goes through this this cycle and you know when you create it you never think that maybe it could go somewhere but sometimes it does and then yeah it's very true yeah so one thing that um 
again, this is from another conversation I had. I feel like I just referenced, all I ever do in these conversations is reference other conversations I've had. Um, so there's another conversation I had with a really great photographer called Caffeine Cowboy. Um, and we were talking about the idea of photography and how, well, he was talking about the idea of photography and how we often kind of look at images being like a, a one use only kind of thing when actually an image has longevity. We just don't really think about it. There's no such thing as an old image because art is timeless. And just mm-hmm. because you post it tomorrow doesn't mean somebody in a year's time is not going to see that and be inspired by that. True. That's you very know? true. And I think it's something that we always forget because we class our work as old or we're like, oh, we put a date on it. And it's like, oh, this is my old work. And it's like, well, actually, this is what you created. But somebody else might find that, you know, like I, I always like to think of at least the Flying Fruit Bar as an archive as opposed to the present day statistics because someone's going to see it in a year's time and might be inspired, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I've had, I've had people come along and pull out this like really old image and say, I want you to make something like this. And it's like, but that's from like five years ago. What are you talking about? You know, it's uh pe- people, people relate to anything they see yeah. really. Yeah. It's very true. And um, on the topic of kind of like people relating to images and kind of the whole idea of longevity of images, like let's talk about social media, which is everybody's favorite section. Um, so like, what are your thoughts on social media and how has it actually impacted your practice? Ooh, my thoughts. Um, so, like, I used to be really into it, and I'm kind of stepping away from it now. Um, I think that it can be used for all the right reasons, but right now it's being used for a lot of wrong reasons. Um, when it first started, we were promised to stay in touch with our friends and keep up with their lives. You know, that's that's how the concept of it started. But over time, it just kind of snowballed into something and it kind of uh, integrated itself in every part of our lives. And um, it's it's a personal choice to continue with it or maybe step back and realize that maybe this is not something that I want to have I'm going to use the term on me because it's on our phone so and that that also leads to another interesting question is you know being, being, being connected to people all the time through that phone but we feel so lonely it's 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 almost like a it's a pseudo um social concept and it was becoming a bad habit for me to go on there and you know not only talk to people but uh find work to when I say work, I mean like you know jobs that you know commission work, and um, it came to the point where I was relying on it too much, and I think that might be the point because I've seen a couple of other artists, uh, artist friends. Uh, again, using the word friend, but I don't really know that. <laughs> But uh, uh, I've seen a couple of artists like say, we need to find another way to not go on social media or Twitter and, and beg for work. It's like, you're completely right. 
And I think what's happening now is we've had just enough time to process social media um, to have it integrated in our lives to where it overcomes everything because we're so stuck in it that we forget that there's an outside world. I think I saw a meme uh, the other month, you know, people used to go out, uh, go on their, their phone to escape the world, but now um, we we go outside to escape our phone. It's it's become top security. Yeah. yeah, and it's a very unhealthy thing if, if you don't catch it, I think. And social media has a lot of good things to it, but um, right now it's 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 all about stepping back i think and and really exploring other options because like 10 years 10 years is like a long time to be stuck in that form of socialization you know um but yeah social media is very iffy thing for me right now um i've thought about getting rid of it all together and thought about well if a lot of my work sales coming from that like how am i going to survive the answer very simple just go out the door you know but it gets so ingrained in people and myself included uh, maybe it's not doing what uh the people who made it uh, intended it to do right now i think it goes back to what you said earlier about the fact that this generation is kind of like the generation that has grown up with social media. And I think the developers who developed it are still learning about it and still figuring out how to use it. So it's not like, it's not like a fully fleshed thing that is going to always stay the same, you know, like Instagram, you know, a few weeks ago released a statement saying they're going to, it's, you know, Instagram's going to be more like TikTok now. We're going to feature like, you know, full screen video content. And it's like, there's nothing we can do about it because we're relying on using Instagram to showcase our work and we're just gonna have to go with it we're just gonna have to roll with it i think there are certain times where we realize like we're actually not as much in control as we think we are um and things can always change on a dime and you know we have no say in it because we've kind of given ourselves over to the algorithm yeah uh, exactly it's i mean uh i've learned that well i've kind of had to develop the the, the thing belief that you're not in control of anything in your life except you know certain choices but um yeah i mean it's i think it's getting a a little bit uh out of hand and i'm noticing this thing to where um it's like they're trying to stay above water almost and you know trying to keep themselves afloat um by just adding more and more and more because they can't keep it stable and they think by adding something else it's going to stabilize and i think eventually it's at one point it probably will collapse but for now it's it's a great tool to get yourself out there but learn to like know that there has to be a a definite line drawn pardon the pun you know (laughs) but uh line drawn of how to advertise your work in the social media realm and how to do that outside as well. So you're right, because the the huge problem you have 
by being quote unquote successful on social media is that like once that social media site, you know, is no longer popular, there's your income. Yep. You know, exactly. and, and you know, as humans, we kind of we base our lives assuming we're gonna have the same income we have now. You know, people, you know, go for mortgages for 30 years, assuming they're gonna have a job in 30 years' time you know stuff mm-hmm. like that and it's like the world doesn't work like that things always change you know so i don't know i think it's i think i i do agree with you though i think a lot of people nowadays are kind of a bit sick of social media I, i've had a lot of conversations honestly in the past week with people who are just fed up with engagement who are fed up with just feeling like they're not really getting out what they're putting in and um you know it's a shame because it's, it's actually making a lot of people i know personally not that personally, but personally, um, you know, just really doubting their own kind of artistic worth and kind of like their whole point in what they're doing. And, you know, that's a shame that you shouldn't be doubting yourself and, you know, what you're creating at the time you're spending just because some algorithmic algorithmic robot that you were never going to know has decided people shouldn't see your work. You know, it's, it's kind of a bit weird when we think about we're giving our life over to automation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely... Um... And then you can you can pay for promotion if you really want, but like, how much can you trust that? You know, it's it's they're turning it into a service now. Uh, that that actually might be why now that I'm thinking about it and saying it out loud, because I noticed like lately too, I turn I turned my account into a business account, and they really push like um, promoting your work by paying for it. And maybe that's what they're trying to get at too, is like making money off of that promotion and like making it to where you know you get less viewers if you don't promote. Yeah, but the problem with that is that I know plenty of artists who are paid for promotions and they don't get anything from it. What? Because all they do is get they get bots from it. Uh, oh boy. Uh, I mean, I think at this point it's it's really. Uh, you know, I think I think like if you are the kind of rich person who can sink a couple of thousand pounds every quarter to have mm-hmm. a social media campaign and pay for promotions, I think that's one thing. But I think not everybody has that. I think if you're, you know, not even necessarily struggling artist, if you're an artist creating work that wants to make, you know, make a living off what you're doing, I think you know, social media. I I don't know, like I don't know. I'm very, I'm personally very torn on social media at the minute because obviously. I run the flying football off social media. If I didn't have Instagram, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't speaking to, wouldn't speaking to anybody. Um, I'd be sitting in my room to making music and drinking tea. That's all I'd be doing in my life. Um, but it's kind of like, it's as you said, it's like, we're so ingrained in it. It's hard to step away because like, if you step away, you kind of lose everything you've worked hard for, but then you kind of also realize you didn't really work hard for it. I think that's probably quite illusionary because yeah, you worked hard, but everything you've given has been calculated from somebody yeah. other than yourself. Now I'm thinking about that's pretty scary. <laughs> it's 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 like uh, even now my phone keeps going off. Uh, my best friend is texting me about uh, a show that I need to watch because there's some someone on there that's really into Disney and whatnot. And I'm just like I, I'm. A, I'm doing a podcast right now. I can't talk, but like it's uh, you know, they people have immediate access to you yes. too, and that's that's not always healthy either. I mean, there's no. been times where I wake I wake up at like eight thirty in the morning. I got a message, like, bro, what are you what are you doing? Like, 
go to sleep, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that, you know. But uh, of course, people on the phone, I'll, they're they're close and personal to me, so I, I allow them to do that. But like when you get on social media, and it's funny because you have this, it annoys, you know, you or me at least that uh, that uh, these people I have to wake up to messages that might, might be business related, but I still make the choice. So maybe subconsciously, consciously, I don't know, to go on social media and it ends up becoming a repeating cycle. All you have to do is to break a cycle is just add a different step in it that you've never done before. That's it. But, um, but yeah, it's social media. It, when I was in school, they taught us to use social media as a form of advertisement, actually. Right. So, but now also it just might be because they taught us all to, you know, to do that on social media that it's becoming so, so much. And it's just, I, I remember like when I was in college, I could go on like the life drawing hashtag and just like find artists that I love. And now it's just so, um, flooded with images i'm just like i don't none of this appeals to me you know and maybe it's the fact that just it's it's overpopulated now maybe that's what it is i don't maybe actually no you said that maybe that's the reason that people don't necessarily value art quote unquote as much because they see it all the time and that actually leads me nice to answer the question i wanted to ask you is like can anybody be an artist Okay, can anybody be an artist? Uh, um, well, yes, they can. It's just that it's that simple. Like, um, I remember, you know, back in like high school and or even college, because I, I, you know, I was in a college that had like multiple disciplines and whatnot. Um, I would always get the thing that oh, I can't draw. Like, well, yes, you can. You can you can hold a pencil and, and draw a line. It, it's somewhere along the line. Even though that creative part of us is always there, we're always creating something, right? I think the artist, the what society views as an artist, is someone who decided to make the choice to not stop creating, right? I really think that's that's what defines that term, but you don't. I I think another thing too is there's the the definition and the separation between the professional and the quote unquote amateur artist. Like there's no such thing as an amateur artist. There's a professional artist that the the definition of that is you make money off your art, right? So. Um, like any, yes, anybody can be an artist. It's whether you choose to keep at it or not. You don't have to be professional. Your work doesn't have to be. Um, I think people also confuse realism with good work. You know, there's yeah. it's a big with that. If it doesn't look accurate, then it's not. Then it's not. It's not good art. And it's like, well, who's to say that? 
you know, because art, again, is a very personal thing. It comes from the inside. And if I want to draw a few squiggly lines on a piece of paper to express myself, then that's art. And everybody has the ability to do that, you know. And creation and curiosity go hand in hand. And those are two really big components in the human psychology. If we didn't have that, where would we be? You know, we wouldn't have iPods and refrigerators and I'm just looking across my room like picking up like different things with air fryer, you know, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's anybody can do it. It's just whether they choose not to or not. That actually segues very nicely into the question I want to ask you next, which is, in your opinion, what makes a good piece of art? Ooh. This is <laughs> I think it all is based on personal preference. I just want to say that up front. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't tend to like smooth, highly rendered drawings because uh, it tends to um, it tends to it, it's not there's what's the word I want to use. There's no example of you studying the image. I, I guess there is, but like, and this, this is so difficult because I'm, I, I, I love art in general, but like, I tend to go for like the more messy stuff. Right, and things with more uh, apparent mark making than you know everything being smooth. Um, but what makes a good piece of art, I really would have to say, well, that just throws it back in my direction too. I was going to say it all depends on, you know, who's making the art, but then I'm just like, well, that. <laughs> that just basically turns the question back on me and you know I think it's a personal thing to be honest with you and there's no but the question is what do I think makes a good piece of art um, it's, it's such a difficult question I def like I said I definitely have my preferences but I don't necessarily think that that's what makes it a good piece of art I, that's just what i like but um looking around my desk here to see if i can trigger any thoughts here yeah it's it's i um, know well then i'll ask you the second part of that question which is okay. uh what was the last image or piece of media that you saw that captivated you and what was it about it that left an impression on you oh man i okay so I went to Epcot at Disney World uh, a couple months ago for their for their art festival, and I forget the artist's name, but he did some Star Wars posters. They had they had a, uh, a Acme Archives booth there, um, and I just remember looking at this this poster, 
and uh, it was for the for the prequel trilogy for Star Wars. It was black and white with some hints of color in it, and just the design of it was remarkable. And that definitely laid in, in, in you know, a memory in me. And then, then also uh, Tim Rogerson, who's a Disney fine artist, uh, did this um, painting of all the Toy Story characters from the first film to the fourth movie. And uh, I think what was great about that is he was actually there when I bought the print, so we had a conversation. Oh, wow. And yeah, and again, art goes back to whole, you know, connecting with people, I think. And we had a conversation about like the uh, the process of the painting and what was involved in it. Like there were a lot of things that didn't make it into that painting because of licensing issues. And uh, he told me that he put in over a thousand hours into this painting, and that really. <laughs> I in in that where where I stood that moment I was like what am I doing with my life you know because I only spent like four four or five hours on a painting if at all but that's how I've always been and but like a thousand hours is remarkable but also ridiculous at the same time it was it was oil so I guess that might be where the time came from yes. but uh, but they also make medium that slow your uh makes things dry quicker so but yeah th- those two paintings in specific stick out in my mind but it was at disney world so i guess that's uh you know i have an affinity for disney so i guess that's probably why too i have a question for you from the last artist i spoke to which i haven't at this moment in time of recording fully completed the conversation yet we've still got another part to create to create to record so I'm going to ask you this question anyway, um, but it might not be in this order, so we'll see. But as a photographer called Violent Purity, and his question for you is, do you in any way feel that your art is a reflection of you and your experiences? Uh, yes. Uh, I'd have to say so. Um, because, uh, uh, you know, Again, I'm very into pop culture. I'm very into Disney. Uh, and I would say that if you were to look at my work, you would definitely find my interests in it. And uh, maybe even some of my, uh, the way I, uh, perceive things almost i don't know yeah i mean i definitely think that as far as like interests go there's definitely a reflection of myself uh in it and you you know what's interesting is this actually just reminded me so there's this weird thing that i noticed in a lot of people's work if they're not drawing from life they're drawing from like memory there's this very odd thing where the drawing will kind of, like say if they were to draw like a portrait just off the top of their head, the drawing will kind of look like them. It, 
I don't know what it is, but it's like with Bill Sienkiewicz, for example, like all of his drawings kind of look like him. And I've, I've noticed the same thing too, with, you know, when I draw portraits, like off the top of my head, it kind of has like the same structural anatomy as my face. And there was someone else too, her name's Holly Ballard. Um, she, She's a Disney freelance artist and she does a lot of Disney related stuff, but she's doing a mermaid. And I've noticed that when she's drawing these mermaids, they all kind of look like her a little bit, but they're not, they're not, they're not intentional, like self-portraits. Um, so I guess like maybe even, even that, that, that's an interesting thing. But as far as reflection of myself goes, I definitely think that a lot of my exploration with creativity and color all, all goes into it. And it's definitely, you know, maybe you may not be seeing my thought process, but you'll definitely see the things that inspire me the most. That's super cool. And I think there's definitely some truth to that. I think we're all kind of involved in our own art in, in some way, because obviously we're the ones who create it. You know, I think it's kind of, it's inevitable that you're going to find yourself in some way, some trace. Of yourself and your work it's like you know it's like you're you're haunting your own work i guess in a way um yeah, yeah. yeah that's a really nice kind of phrase Damn, i'm going to do something with that that's cool um <laughs> I like that. that's cool um so do you have a question for the next person I interview? Okay. so in music there's this thing is this there's this age-old question do you ever think there's going to be a time uh that every song that can ever be written will be done, right? So I'm wondering if, do you ever think that there will be a time where every image possible that could ever be made will be made? And would you like to answer that question yourself? Um, I, you know, I, I actually was thinking about it and I don't, I don't know if that's, possible but it could be you know because i know with music there's you're working off of a system you know you're working off a, a very science-based theory and you know there's i mean every note can go together uh you know but as far as harmonics and whatnot but like it's but with art, like visual, visually, like, you know, it's like the thing that they say, you know, every story has already been told. It all goes back to, you know, the same old stories. But with art, it's like, you have options. You know, you can mix the colors to be a certain shade of a certain color, you know, and it's just going on and on and on and on. I'm like, is there ever going to be a time where there is not an original image? You know, that's... And I think that also, too, plays in with the, the concept of, you know, human and creativity. We're creative beings. And what's going to happen if there ever comes a time where everything that can ever be created 
has been created. What are we going to do with ourselves? You know? Yeah. That's a really good point. So, I think that's actually a great question. That's absolutely such a good question. And I don't actually know who I'm going to interview next. I've got a very long list. <laughs> I actually have a very long list. And, and I, I said to everybody, I'll, I'll <laughs> I said to people, okay, I'll start doing interviews in April. And I haven't actually done any for probably about two and a half months. So I'm like, I actually sat down and wrote like a literal list of like, this person's going to be this episode, this person's going to be this episode. And I've completely harpooned that for other people because I, the thing is like, I understand you have to take opportunities when you get them. For instance, this here, this is a great opportunity. And I was like, absolutely. Because if I don't do it now, I can't guarantee I'm going to do it in the future because mm-hmm. I'm busy. Like, you know, you make plans with people and then something like happens, sometimes it doesn't. Um, so yeah. that's why I'm very grateful for you being here and actually doing it and even rescheduling. Like, I appreciate that, that you would do that and not be like, cool. Anyway, so my next question for you is, what does it mean to be a successful artist? And then the second part is, how do you measure the success of your own work? Mm-hmm. Well, the success of my own work is basically have I created the image that I set out to create. That It's that plain and simple. Um, anything that happens beyond that, what the viewers think, what the audience thinks, you know, what I may think, you know, is um, it's completely ir- irrelevant to the to the image itself. Um, but success of an artist, for me, success is uh, you know. Just connecting with people and having enough money to do the things that I want to do, um, and creating art that's fulfilling um, to me because you know connection is important to me, creativity is important to me, security is important to me, and. You know, I think all of those things kind of combine together to create an image of success. I I don't think success is has anything to do with like Lamborghinis and 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 sports cars and and you know uh, celebrity status. I think it's more about if you're being a successful artist means that you're living the life that you drive to create, you know. Um, I really don't think money has a place in it. Um, it's helpful because you definitely need money to live that life. But um, as long as you're creating and uh successfully creating the imagery that you wish to portray that's and living your life around that you know because I think your life influences um, a lot of your imagery too Um, and that's very important but you know I I was thinking about this question you know because obviously I read it on the paper and um, I don't think that I can answer the question authentically because I myself have not found that yet, yeah. right? Uh, 
I think I'm getting to a point where I might be, um, but I'm not at the point. And I very well could just say I am at the point. You know, success is a very like self-defined thing. But in my head, success would be you know going to Disney World and exploring places and hanging out with friends and connecting with people and having that you know influence the art. But I haven't gotten to the point where I can go to Disney World when I want to. You know, so yeah. Uh, yeah. obviously Disney is very important to me. So you know. Um, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those questions that I, I just, I had, I'm not, I mean, people tell me that, you know, that I'm harsh on myself and that I'm quote unquote my own worst, worst critic, but like, you know, it's, I, I don't like, again, I don't like to view it as in terms of like, money or status it's very just how how much how how happy are you doing what you're doing and if you're happy doing what you're doing then you're most likely successful i agree with that completely i think society has made us believe that capitalism and materialism is important when it's not um ironically disney being one of the main (laughs) <laughs> corporates of <are> that <laughs> but um you know i think it's kind of interesting the way that again as, as i said it goes back to what you said earlier like the way we're told certain things and that shapes us is um very interesting i think um yeah i like that i think it's cool i think your answer is great actually um and and you're right it's, it's kind of interesting quite a few people have said to me oh i'm not successful enough to be able to answer that because when they get to their level of success they'll probably know when that is um and as you said it's very personal like you can be successful just because you got up and created something like that's a success. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to be making you know money off it. The fact you just created anything is a success. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think the idea that being very personal is, you know, actually one of the joys of the question because everyone's going to have a very different answer. Like most of the questions I have, it's all very ambiguous and very personally, like personal related. So um, that's a fun part, I guess. So, yeah. So my next question is what would your younger self think about your work? Oh, <laughs> that struck a chord. <laughs> uh, um, this is like I'm feeling it like emotionally resonating with me. It's one of those things that like because I I try to connect with my my inner child when I can and you know, um. Damn. <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, I I think he'd be he'd be okay with it, you know. And when I say, you know, okay, I don't mean like just okay. I I mean there's he he would have no no qualms about it you know he 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 would oh damn (laughs) it's a very like it's it's like uh but it's a great question um i i think he'd be okay with it you know satisfied with it which is interesting because you know 
when you really think about it, we, you know, we always, as people, we try and do better. And when you communicate with the inner child, you know, you, you tend to view things a little bit differently. It, it doesn't, it, my therapist actually said this is, you know, we're all children and just in bigger bodies, you know, and we tend to forget that. And, you know, um, but yeah, I, I, I think you'd be okay. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> it, it, it struck a chord with me, but yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's a good question. Hmm. I'm sure. Where's that question come from? I think it came from. Where's that question come from? As always, and most of the questions do from a conversation I had with somebody. So we were talking about. I can't. I think it was. I can't remember who it was. I think it was a lady called Donna Irvin, and she was talking about her past self, like yeah. what she used to do when she was younger. And how it's so different now. And I think we were talking about like, so what would you have thought back then about your work? And I thought we kind of speaking about the idea of like, we don't often really think about ourselves in the past in relation to the way we're living now. We're always so focused on looking forward. And then we always kind of spend most time kind of regretting, you know, regretting the past or like seeing the past with a more negative light than actually kind of thinking about, you know, your the younger you is what made you today like the thoughts and feelings you have back then are what has shaped your thoughts and feelings today. And I think it's sometimes nice to look back on that and think about, you know, what would I have thought back then about this? Because you, where you were then is not where you are now. Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I just think too much about these things. That's probably also the, the other thing. Yeah, I think thinking is definitely a part of, you know, processing things. Because I think, what I've learned recently within the last maybe six months or like maybe really this year, I guess, because that's pretty much my six months at this point, um, is that, you know, we all go through phases, even though we don't really think about it that often, but we all go through phases in life. Like there are things, the things you'd like now and the things you want to do now are not going to be the things you're going to want to do in the future. And I think it's, it's taken me personally a very long time to realize that. Like I shouldn't be annoyed if I change my mind. You know, if I decide tomorrow I want to quit my job and travel the world, like, that I shouldn't be annoyed by that, you know, because that's a different phase in my life. Like, I don't know. I think, I don't know, maybe just me being very kind of a little bit too honest. Um, is like, well, you know. I, I think we all have tendencies to, so from my personal experience, and I, I've been told by a few other people, like, you know, there's the cliche of like quitting the job and just traveling the world, like you said. <laughs> and I, I really think that, a lot of times when that happens, it's such a such a quick decision that's made, you know. And I think it's because it's what we want to do. And as humans, we have that drive to to explore that part of ourselves. So if we make such a quick decision, it's most likely because we've always wanted to do it. It may seem crazy to other people, but then you know, it, it's 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 a decision that we make on the spot and then everything changes because yeah. it's part of us. Yeah. yeah. And jobs jobs and all that stuff have nothing 
to do with us, you know? It's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's an, again, jobs are phases. You pass, your people come and go all the time, you know? No one's going to be at their job forever. And if they are, there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. So we're getting to the last few questions now. So I think there's probably about another three questions. Um, yeah, there is another three questions. So the, I'm about to say penultimate, it's not the penultimate, the almost penultimate question is going to be, is being an artist liberating or isolating or both? Uh, well, I... You know, I don't, I don't know if I isolate myself because I'm an artist or I'm just isolating myself because that's what I like to do. But um, I think that if you're an artist and you choose to explore that part of yourself, it can be extremely liberating because you're no longer ignoring that part of yourself. Now I'm talking in terms of like the inner self, right? Um, because liberating can also have a few different definitions to it. it it could mean you know going out and exploring things as well you know and that goes along with the, the introversion part of the question so it can be liberating in terms of you no longer feel that you have to um be chained down so to speak by the world and you create your own little world, but um, it it can also it's it's a very introverted thing because it's when you make the decision to chase it, nobody really understands except those few people that will ultimately choose to support you or they ultimately choose to say you're crazy, and then you know that's what that's where the isolation part comes in. Um, but it can be isolating because you choose to make this this decision and nobody really understands this, this passion that you have inside of you. So in a way, it, it disconnects you from other people. But also, if you go out and uh, talk to other people, you know, it can be very liberating because then you find those other people that actually understand. And sometimes they're artists and sometimes they're normal everyday people that just happen to come across your path. You know? Um, so it can be both. <laughs> to yeah. simplify the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect. No, that's why, perfect. that's why I said, or both, because somebody wants it both. And I was like, wait, it could actually be both. <laughs> so yeah. Um, it depends so, on the time, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so and also the the fascinating thing about it is that, that like art is supposed to be you know self-expression, but at the same time we also often create alone. So there's always elements of both in the actual process of being an artist. Um, mm -hmm. But it also depends on like your outlook and how you create your work and the way in which you feel about your own work. So that's an interesting question to ask, I guess. Um, so the penultimate question. No. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. No, no, no. no go no, ahead. Something else just popped up in my head. Yeah, no, ahead. I, I think also too, like with life drawing before the pandemic, you know, you would have a model come into the studio and, you know, there's also that connection between you and the model, um, which isn't, it, it can be an isolated situation, but it isn't isolating within itself. And I think that's something that was 
also has been lost in the pandemic that's kind of coming back finally is you know that the connection between the artist and the model and um uh you know it was over zoom for quite a quite a long time and now people are starting to bring them into the studio um but yeah it's that's that's one way it can be not isolating. It definitely helps, but creating alone is yeah, it's isolating. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And actually, you're right, actually, because you do want to rapport with the model if you're drawing them or painting them, you know, because they're there in front of you. Um, and mm-hmm. you do have that connection to them, like the personal connection, you know, which will hopefully show through your work. So there's actually a really good point, actually. I haven't thought about that, actually, in terms of the way you know, putting a, a screen or a divide in between the artist and the subject, how that affects the final image. That's actually uh, quite yeah, interesting. It, yeah. You probably, I know you have that one last question, but I, I right. have my thoughts on that. Because like when, when when it was all first starting, you know, uh, the Zoom life drawing sessions, it was great. Um, but now it's to the point where, you know, I think it's great for like gesture drawing um but other than that it's like why why would you spend 20 minutes sitting in front of a screen when you can just print out the photo you know and they don't even they most of the time they don't even talk you know you can't talk to them because they've got everything you so all right final question it's a penultimate question you got two more questions oh okay so does artistic freedom exist Yes, it does entirely. Um, now, uh, because you can choose to paint whatever you want, right? But it's what really uh, drives the idea home that maybe it doesn't exist is everybody else is telling you, uh, don't do that, <laughs> you know, and illustration there's obviously some restrictions on it because the art directors go in with a very specific idea and there's not a lot of range for artistic freedom but artistic freedom is basically expressing oneself to the most authentic way possible and you know you have that ability to just put whatever you want to on the on the canvas now, here's where the tricky part comes in, is um, imagery and its influences on us, you know, does it influence us enough to where we're kind of tied down by that? And are we really expressing ourselves to the fullest extent, or are we just becoming... Um, slaves to the image of that's constantly being pushed in front of us you know there's always that interesting dichotomy there but it, it's definitely possible and it does exist it's you know it's how much influence you choose to let in to uh to make or break that creative freedom i think is the real situation that's such an interesting point of view. That's such an interesting point of view because 
the way I look at it in terms of that question is that the reason I like to ask that question is because we live in a very gatekept society, you know, mm -hmm. like for instance, social media guidelines, for instance, you know, you can't have a certain thing showing certain things and like, it makes sense. You know, people are very easily triggered by things and it's like, it makes sense. But mm -hmm. at the same time, like to be your true authentic self, you would need none of that. You would need to be able to post your work somewhere and then not be flagged, for instance, or, or you know, but then again, there's also the line where like, how much freedom is too much freedom? Because, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that um, you, you equate it to um, posting it online. And really, that's, that's, it's, not a, it's not a necessary component of creation. In fact, sure. like, yeah, you know, artistic freedom can just be sitting on your living room floor, you know, scribbling in, in, a, in a sketch pad. Well, that's, that's what it really comes down to. And, uh, but again, social media comes into play and has the rules and their guidelines. And um, I, I think, though, a lot of times, too, uh, that my question is if you know that it's going to be taken down or removed or whatever and it's a constant thing why 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 do people tend to you know constantly do it are, are you trying to fight something or are you trying you know prove a point or you know but that i i think that's an entirely different you know direction to the question but it, you know it's interesting how you know the rules exist and we know they do but people tend to push against them as well and try and you know fight for their artistic freedom on the internet that's interesting that just makes me think like i wonder if people think they're going to change the internet by posting their work i mean because it could happen i guess mm -hmm. and also might not happen at the same time although it's not very likely yeah it, exactly and it, it's i mean it, it's always a possibility but if everyone's doing it you know how's it going to change it you got you got to have that one instance where it's completely different than everything else but that that that's the true definition of change you have to have one instance where things are completely different yeah wise words indeed right so the very last question which is a door bar question probably the easiest question of the bunch is what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work okay so um what am I going to be working on? Well, after this interview, a lot of stuff, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but uh, I'll just probably continue to do the same old stuff, exploring ideas. And I really want to continue that, that Rorschach idea. I, I kind of like that. I'll definitely be doing more figure drawing. I'm trying to get into sculpting more. Um, and that's really fun. Um, but you can find my work on Instagram. Danny Kidwell underscore artist or go figure Danny. I love puns, so I figured that was like the perfect. Or you can go to my website, dannykidwell.com. Um, it has, I guess, what I would call my most displayable images on there. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my plan. 
That is absolutely perfect. You know, Danny, thank you so much for being here and doing this. No problem. Thank you for having me. No, honestly, uh, no, thank you. You're the one who initiated it. So I really appreciate that a lot. And thank you for your time, Mike. I appreciate it. That concludes the last and final part of my conversation with Danny Kidwell. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or get in touch via Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing to help spread the word and garner us more attention. Also, Please don't forget to check out theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk, which is an archive of daily art inspiration and written interviews. Furthermore, if you're an artist or a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. If you'd like to support the platform further, we now also have a Patreon page. Tiers start from £1, and you can find more information and rewards over at patreon.com forward slash theflyingfruitbowl. Additionally, if monthly donations are not your thing, we also have a PayPal for one-time donations. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode today. Until next week, folks, please stay safe.